You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 10th, and I'm back. And I got back into Colorado yesterday evening, so I did take the rest of uh, Monday night to just recharge from what was a busy but very fun weekend. And so that's why me and Weston are doing our 49K Player of the Week show today on a Tuesday. But I'm really excited for it. It should be a great one. I'm sure we'll have plenty of nominees, right? But uh, Weston, how you doing today, man? Feeling really spoiled and grateful for it. You just mentioned like, hey, we're going to have a lot of people. And you and I joked in the very first one, like, hey, this is easy when you win games, right? Like, what's it going to uh, look like when we lose games? But for so many reasons, an old head like me goes back to that rival. I know people want to say it's not a rivalry anymore because the other team's got to contribute a win here and there for it to go back and forth. But this is still a rivalry to me because when I was growing up, this was the rivalry in the NFL. And yeah. I assure you, the Cowboys won more often than the 49ers did. So, 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 so sweet to watch this game on Sunday evening. There's a lot of history between both teams. There's a lot of, like I think, like hatred uh, that goes back many years. Seems like uh, Micah Parsons may be the only one who's not really aware of the the history, but 49ers know it all too well. But yeah, I mean, I thought this was an incredible game for one. Like Levi's was rocking, man. Like it, it, it definitely felt like a playoff game to be there. We were loud. Like I, I can hear my my ears just like ringing as I was also yelling every third down, every play we were trying to get Dak off his game. And of course, you know, this defense did it as well. And what the offense were able to do early in the game, pretty much it was like a demoralizing and embarrassing loss for the Cowboys. So me as a 49er fan, I loved to see it. Um, you know, you were just mentioning right before the show that your buddy turned it off at halftime, who's not a 49er fan. Um, and, you know, I get that because sometimes when I'm watching teams get their ass beat, I'm like, yeah, this is boring. Like, you know, this is one-sided. I'm going to turn it off. But for a 49er fan, we love to see what we saw on Sunday night. We can watch it over and over again. Um and I think it just showed that the 49ers are a balanced team because they did it in all three phases. They dominated from start to finish, yeah. even when they took the starters out, right? <laughs> I think Uncle Sherm said it best on Undisputed when he was going against uh, Bayless about this, where Bayless was trying to defend something that the Cowboys did well. And they're like, well, we held Christian McCaffrey to 2.3 yards per carry. And Sherman was like, and you still lost by 32 points, right? Like death by a thousand knives, a thousand cuts, right? Like that's what it comes down to. It's just like, okay, you can take one away, but can you take it all away? And as crazy as this is, and we knew this for better or for worse, it was always going to come down to quarterback play for the 49ers. And God, that ball is being distributed well. And God, he is playing really good, solid, consistent football right now. So it makes all those other weapons that much more valuable. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. 
the the Cowboys must have thought that they were getting Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, you know, on, on Sunday. They probably thought they were going to get the Brock Purdy from the divisional round uh, of last year. And that just was not the case. That was not the case. I mean, and it goes to show as well, like how much growth we've seen from Brock Purdy in a pretty short amount of time. Mind you, that that was with him like rehabbing most of the off season, right? So what he's been able to do and, and how much he's been able to grown in, in just like the span of these first five weeks of the season, I think we've seen a lot of growth um, from Brock Purdy. It It's dangerous. And like we were saying with Christian McCaffrey, sure, you can stop one guy and, you know, if you're going to stop anyone, like, sure, Christian McCaffrey, that's a, a logical that's pretty, choice. Yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> impressive one if you could stop him, all right? Anyone to this point hadn't been able to do that. But you got to be prepared for someone else to blow up. And, you know, as we know, in this game, it was George Kittle, right? And in the game where Brandon Ayuk was out a few weeks ago, it was Debo Samuel, right? So, man, name any player on this team. They can have a day. Let's not forget how good everyone, everyone on this offense can be. And when you have a quarterback who, like you were saying, is distributing the ball and he's spreading it around, like he he doesn't really have a favorite. He throws it to the open man, no matter what, you know? So, I mean, that that's just another thing for opposing defenses to be mindful of. And I, I would go as far as say be fearful of because yeah. what the Niners are doing right now, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I don't know what to do, quite honestly. It, it It is scary. It's a scary proposition because the more reps Brock gets, the game's going to slow down more and more and more and more. And the more it slows down for him, a guy who's that cerebral, um, that understanding of, of the offense. Um, and I'm sure there's so much more that Kyle Shanahan wants to toss on his plate, but he's, you know, holding himself back a little bit, but this guy is just taking it on. And it's, I'm just, I'm almost speechless. And that rarely ever happens when I'm talking about the 49ers because I was one of the guys, right? I I wanted Trey Lance still here. Like I am not afraid to admit that, but now like I forgot until last night that Trey Lance played for this football team once upon a time, because it's just been so good. The product that we were watching and it has removed all doubt. And I think you can dispel all of the, He's just good because it's Kyle's offense, right? Like, I think this guy would go, if the game was moving at this rate for him, he'd go have this type of success elsewhere. I just think it's Kyle, you know, Kyle's offense simplifies things for a, for him for a little bit, and he does what every coach does. Like, he's playing to his quarterback's strengths. Yeah. And I think Dan Orlovsky said this best. I'm sorry I'm, like, quoting, like, you know, the, the, <laughs> the national the analysts heads. out there. But, I mean, Unk is, you know, Niner legend now, right? But Orlovsky... You know, he's like, for years while Kyle was here, this offense was horizontal. You know, now it is vertical and horizontal. How'd you stop this offense back in the with Jimmy at quarterback, right? You just had to take away the middle of the field. It really wasn't (laughs) that difficult. Now the entire field is available. It's crazy. It's wild. Yeah, absolutely. And Melissa has a great question here because, look, 49ers have been pretty fortunate to this point. They haven't had to deal with a whole lot of injuries, at least like very impactful ones thus far. Aaron Banks did leave the game, uh, and it was John Feliciano who took over at the left guard spot. 
Um, and so Melissa's question is, uh, if it is Feliciano instead of Banks, who do you see taking on Miles Garrett? And, you know, of course, the 49ers do play the Cleveland Browns uh, on Sunday. And Miles Garrett is probably the, the biggest guy to be cautious of in that Browns defense who have also been playing some really good football to this point. So, man, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I will say this about John Feliciano, right? He he stepped in and, you know, he he showed out. He I saw this tweet from Wayne Breezy earlier, and I'll quote it here. He played uh, 32 snaps at left guard against the Cowboys. He allowed zero pressures and finished with an 84.2 pass blocking grade and a 71.1 run blocking grade. Uh, so it seems like he did a pretty fine job in the limited amount of time that he was there. Of course, just like Aaron Banks does, Feliciano is going to have the benefit of being next to one of the best to ever do it in Trent Williams. So that's, I think that's already going to help him. Now, Miles my, Garrett, I haven't really dived into where he normally lines up, um, Melissa. So I, I can't really say right now. I don't know if you know off the top of your head, Weston. Um, but a lot of the time, you know, these guys will move around based yeah. on, you know, the matchup. So um, I would just imagine that, you know, we'll, we'll see Garrett on either side on Sunday. I would say traditionally your best pass rusher tends to line up over the right tackle, right? Because it's just an immediate advantage. Usually the left tackle is supposed to be the best, you know, offensive lineman you have in theory. But Garrett, um, he'll slide up and down. It's going to be based on what the offense is is doing essentially, right? And what they're trying to stop. You just mentioned Feliciano's P PFF grades for the game. Both of those are drastically better, by the way, than what Aaron Banks' PFF grade was, you know, prior to the injury based on his snaps. But here's Feliciano's a vet. He's a league vet. Like, he gets it. And here's the reality. Like, Miles Garrett, unless he's lining up one-on-one -on -one over Trent Williams, it's advantage Garrett against any other offensive lineman in the league that he faces. So it's not about who's going to take him up. It's how you're going to scheme against him. And the scheme is going to involve pulling Kittle across that line, pulling use check and just jamming bodies in front of 95 all game long, just to get him off the path, right? Like yeah. he's still going to get to the quarterback. He's still going to create pressures. He's a very, very talented football player for a reason, um, but it's going to be done by committee. And whether it was Banks is playing or Feliciano is playing, it was going to be done by committee anyway just because of the caliber uh, of player that he is. Yeah. So I just looked it up as, as we were talking here and uh, miles Garrett actually does line up on the right side of the defensive line. So that would be uh, going up tackle. against the left tackle more often than not. And, and actually like quite um, so 121 on the right side versus uh, six, a little over 16 on the left. So a cool. <laughs> pretty, pretty big difference there. So it'll probably be Trent Williams who will be seeing him the most. But yeah, I mean, if Feliciano is going to be on that side as well, I mean, he's going to see a, a share of Garrett too. So just something to be mindful of. Um, but, you know, we we move, all right? I'm not too worried about it, yeah. especially after seeing what the 49ers were able to do in limiting uh, Micah Parsons in this game. Should we should we just go right into you know our our candidates here for 49k play of the week because I think we we might have a few. 
Yeah. Um, if one comment, if you don't mind, because I know yeah. if we just stay on the recap of the this game, we could just go the full hour, right? And we'll never right. get to the player of the week. But one thing I want to change is this now, because this is a, a traditional like overreaction from a, a fan base, right? From the team you root for versus the team that you were going against. Based on the way that the Dallas Cowboys, the outcome of that game, the narrative is the Dallas Cowboys suck. Right. Like they they're terrible. They don't belong on the same field as the San Francisco 49ers, which honestly, I I agree with the latter portion of that comment, not being on the same field. Yeah. But when all is said and done, this team is probably going to win 10 games. They're probably going to sneak into the playoffs in some way, shape or form. Right. And that might have a little to do with the NFC um, overall competition, but still going to be a playoff team. Right. And they're consistently a, a playoff team they just disappoint in the playoffs i want the narrative to be more the 49ers just beat the brakes off a really good football team because that's what we were told they were right like and that's what every pundit out there will tell you that they are so that's my story is that the san francisco 49ers i won't call them the best team in football yet i said they'll look they look like it but there's stiff competition for that um but this is also styles make fights Right. Like this is, you know, there's going to be teams that give us more trouble that are lesser teams than the Dallas Cowboys. Right. It's just it's just style. Um, but we match up really well against them. And you did what we did, what we were supposed to do. You just beat the brakes off of a really good team. And I want to change that narrative because I don't want it to come back to Brock being like, well, who is he played? Like you can only play your schedule. And you guys told me this was the league's best defense. And he torched them like that's the narrative. The 49ers beat a really good football team. I know it's reactionary to say they suck, they suck, they suck. I've been saying the Dallas Cowboys suck for 35 years because I hate that team more than <laughs> any team in all of professional football for what they did to me during my childhood. But the 49ers are just a really good football team right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I, I've kind of been in the middle of that too because obviously, you know, you, you want to – think you want to acknowledge how big of a win this was for the 49ers while also making a lot of fun at the Cowboys. Of course. <laughs> so you you want to call the Cowboys yeah really bad. You want to call them frauds, you know, cuz they are uh but they are they are still a good team like they I mean they're in the top you know, top 10 of of teams still. So in that case, this is still it was still a test for Brock Purdy and what he did was nothing short of impressive for that reason and this was a good Cowboys defense and so that makes what Kyle how he schemed it up too even more impressive right so and adding the fact that Dan Quinn does and has had um, not not Kyle's number but he he knows what Kyle wants to run historically. Like he, he has had really good pulse on what Kyle wants to do offensively. And that has, that's what has allowed the Dallas Cowboys to their defense to match up a little bit better against the 49ers. Now in this case, in this game, it didn't matter why, because again, it it made what Brock was doing more impressive in Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. I cannot speak right now, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but you know, I so yeah, I think it's a little of both. You know, the Cowboys are frauds because I don't think they're at that tier. They're not at the level that the 49ers are. That being no. said, they're still a top 10-ish team. Uh, and this this was a good game for the 49ers to show that 
they are like that. They are one of the best teams in football. And you said one of them, Weston. I think they are the best team in yep. football right now. Um, so, yeah. I won't argue it. We can save that for another, but I do think they're <laughs> um, – I don't want to annoy us Super Bowl champions just yet week five, right? <laughs> like it's basically the way it comes. But right now, sure. It's hard to argue that they are not yep. the best team in football. And they will be in every power ranking today that was released that I haven't even looked at. You know, it, it's, it is what it is. But this week, this league is a week to week league. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, so things, things move very quickly. But yeah, the 49ers have been dominant and they've been consistent when they've mm-hmm. been dominant. All right. So, um, you go first. Weston, you, your show. Okay. You oh, right oh you it. want me to go first. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, there, there's a lot of obvious ones. I'm going to go with one that, you know, maybe isn't as obvious. I love it. And in the conversation that we were just having with Micah Parsons and how, you know, he actually did line up against Trent Williams quite a bit. And so I'm, I'm nominating Trent Williams in this one. Uh, Williams played 60 snaps on Sunday. He had 30 pass blocking snaps. He only gave up one pressure, one hurry. Uh, Still no sacks given up this season. Micah Parsons lined up on Trent's side 38 times. He had 29 true pass rushing snaps or or sets on the day. Zero sacks, zero quarterback hits, one hurry. And I get that, you know, he was playing on both sides, but mostly it was on Trent's side. And so that's why I'm, I'm giving the nomination to Trent Williams this week for what he was able to do. Quite honestly, we could probably, you know, nominate Trent each and every week, but I know we don't just because, you know, oftentimes what he does goes unnoticed because you don't hear his name, you know, get called when he has a really good block and he's shutting guys down. But in this one in particular, I did want to make sure that we give Trent our flowers and that we acknowledge that he had a great game on Sunday. His own teammates will tell you he's the best player in the NFL. I agree. It's a it's like a travesty and a crime that we can't nominate him every single week. The reality is you just outside of your contract, you just play a very thankless, not so glamorous position in the National Football League, especially when it comes to things like we're doing here on this show and anointing, you know, the 49k player of the week, etc. Um he just Trent has this incredible way of just making me feel like all is right with the left side of the yeah, offensive line. Like, not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about our quarterback's blind side, you know? And I, that's all I got. I'd like, I have nothing to add in terms of like statistics, his alignment, what he did, et cetera. Um, I would argue that I think his PFF grade is probably significantly lower than what it should be. I don't know what he's penalized yeah, for. I thought so too. I, you know, I mean, dude, dude puts up a clean sheet. You know, why is that not 90 plus, which is what his essentially his average is on an annual basis anyway. He's just he I'm just so glad he is a San Francisco 49er. And I hope it's at least for another year, maybe two after the 2023 season. Yeah, I I hope so, too. And yeah, it it is tough to say like things about Trent because he, he does it on a weekly basis and most of what he does doesn't always really even show up on the stat sheet. Like there's, there's, it's hard to quantify what Trent Williams does and, yeah. and like vocalize it in, in words, but 
We see it. We see it, Trent. We appreciate it. The the words are zero words, right? When you go a whole game (laughs) and you don't hear his name, that man did everything he was supposed to do. Exactly. All right, Weston, who's your first nominee? So it's so funny. Like playing with my five-year-old kid about to come down, start recording. I'm like, buddy, 49K player of the week. (laughs) And he goes, daddy, pick vote for the 49ers for me. He has no idea what I'm asking him, right? He's five. But has he ever been more right? Like, just vote for the 49ers. You're, you're right. Yeah. The team. Any player on I this mean, team, you can pick that. it. <laughs> this was a legit, as close to as a flawless football game that an NFL team can play. So that on both sides yeah. of the ball. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go outside the box a little bit because we're going to get to the obvious names and we'll leave plenty of time for them. Right. Mitch Wishnowski. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to do it. I can't. I mean, Moody's leaving me hanging these last couple of weeks, just being it. Mr. Consistent with those extra points. But it's it's the field position game, which is yeah. really like think about playing this defense. Even when you get the ball to twenty five, the thirty, whatever it is, right now you're getting the ball inside the five yard line multiple times, and you know that defensive line is coming. You know Huff's probably coming off the end, or Warner's coming right up the gut, or whatever it is that changes the complexion of a football game, right? And I talk about another thankless position, but let's call it what it was. Average 47 yards, a hair under 47 yards per a punt, put two inside the five. I know they don't really like yeah. track track that. They like talk about like inside the 20, but I'm telling you, yeah, two inside the five, right? Yep. Fifty a, a 59-yard punt, those things flip. Like we didn't have many yeah. bad drives, but when a drive ended in a punt, it was – not always a good thing for the opposing team in terms of where they were um, taking over the possession of the ball. So, you know, it might be one of like 10 weeks or, you know, one out of the 17, 18 weeks that I'm gonna have the opportunity to throw number 18 up into this conversation. But this, the secret, the, the truth here is he's actually been doing this all year. It was just on the national stage on Sunday night. Weston, you're like the the anti like Jason Aponte because like at he hates kickers. Turn, I do this. I'm, I do this to burn Jason Aponte. I love Jay, but at, at every turn, every every opportunity, you know, you're you're always here praising <laughs> special team players and nominating them for 49k Player of the Week. I mean, it's it, it's impressive at this point. It's impressive, but. You know, Wisnowski, I I did think he had a great game as well. I you know, it's hard to not notice when you get those punts inside of the 20, right? And credit to Ronnie Bell as well for, you know, pinning one of those down. Uh I think it was like within the 5 or something like that if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, okay, I'm not going to argue with you on that one and uh but I, you know, I don't have too much to say on on that one either. <laughs> so let, let's let's move right along. I get it. Um. All right. L- let's get into the good ones, right? I'm gonna go with uh, Brock Purdy. Yeah. I mean, 17 of 24. He had more incompletions than he had in the previous week, and yet this game was so much more impressive for Brock Purdy. 252 yards. Four touchdowns were uh, career best for him. And this is, again, against the best defense in the league. Um, And as we were saying earlier, we are making fun of the Dallas Cowboys for what they did, but we also acknowledge that they are a good defense in this league. And this was a big test for Brock Purdy. I mean, we said it multiple times going into this game. This is a big test for him. This is going to be a measuring stick for the offense. 
Well, they they measured far and beyond, and Brock Purdy measured far and beyond what I would have expected him to do in this game. He also had a passer rating of 144.4. Again, people, against the one of the best defenses in yep. the league. All right. So let let's call it what it is. I mean, what Brock Purdy is doing right now, he's proven the doubters wrong. Like each and every week, what more can he do to convince people? that he is legit. Like, I don't know. I don't know. He didn't, it's not like he drafted himself to the 49ers. It's not like, you know, I I get Kyle Shanahan is as good as anyone in, in this job, but does that mean that no matter what quarterback is in San Francisco, they're always going to be seen as some product of the system? What Brock Purdy is doing right now is way, way, way beyond that at this point. He's raising the ceiling of this offense. I say it all the time. I'm I'm becoming like a, uh, a, I just keep repeating it, but it's it's so true. And it, when you watch him play, it's obvious. It's obvious what he's bringing to the table. It's better than any quarterback we've seen uh, with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Maybe it could be too early to say, but maybe ever with Kyle Shanahan. Just leave that there. Whoa. Whoa, uh, I love it. I, everything about this, this was my my favorite game that Brock has put on tape so far. And I think yeah. this game truly checked all the boxes. Again, I could show you text message chain upon text message chain from NFL fans that are just like, dude, are you serious what this kid's doing right now? And it's it's the end. What did you what have you so, seen up and down social media since Sunday night game ended? You've seen him throwing two windows, right? Not two mm-hmm. players. What did number 10 do that would get his receivers damn near hospitalized every single time? He's trying to throw a, to a player, and those players are moving in Shanahan's offense. That's why the ball is always behind them, always low. They're never catching it in stride. He's putting it to a window. Now, this will come back. It, it happens to every quarterback. He'll put it in the right window one day and his receiver won't get there and it'll be an easy interception for the defense. But that is the way that this offense is built is put it to the spot. Let the receiver go make the play. My, f- I mean, we could bring up dart after dart. This man was pegging all over yeah. the field. My favorite. I want to say it was, was it on the IU penalty where the, it got called back third and two, right? It was like third and two. That or was whatever. the one that he threw like kind of over LVE, right? Van no, Ash. so not in the middle of the field. I'm talking about it was like a okay. basically like a flag to the outside. It was like third yeah, and that, two. That was another one that he it, threw to Ayuk. It was yeah. third and short, and they show it. And mm-hmm. you can see it. It's clear as day. Like the underneath guy's open. And it was Debo, right? With a little, little bit of space. Yeah. Quarterbacks of the past take that 10 out of 10 times. It's not it's just the dude thinks differently. And that's what I said earlier. Like you don't have to take it, you can't just take away the middle of the field anymore. The whole mm-hmm. field is available. You know, yeah. Does he have Josh Allen's arm or, you know, no. Herbert's arm, no. But he can put the ball anywhere on the field. Anywhere on the field. And he does it with anticipation. And he does it where his receiver and his receiver only can make the play. Uh, he, it was unbelievable, Steph. It, it was unbelievable, this performance by Brock. It really was. I'll I'll say this about Brock. And it kind of reminds me of, like, thoughts I've had about Teleno Hufunga as well. Because Teleno Funga was a guy who, as a safety, has some limitations. He's not the fastest dude. Um, you know, at times he was very over aggressive in his career. He was uh, 
you know, overshooting a guy and he was missing tackles, things like that. But what Hufunga had was a work ethic and he worked hard at what he did. And I think he's also a very smart player. And so over time, you've seen him minimize, uh, you know, I guess like the gap between his limitations and, and what he could do because of, you know, the work ethic and him just like growing and, and as a player and improving on the things that he could do well or the things that he has control over. I kind of see Brock Purdy as the same thing because, yeah, we, we know he does have limitations, but those limitations have not mattered. And it's because he has this ridiculous football IQ. He's so smart. He also has a crazy work ethic, right? And I, we've already seen that he's been able to grow. Like, look at look at week two. I, I make the um, you know, the comparison of week two to what we saw on Sunday because week two was when he missed three guys, you know, somewhat deep. Uh, and look at what he did Sunday. He was he was hitting some deep throws, you know, twenty plus more than I think we've ever seen him do. No. So, and, and that's what I mean. He's just going to continue working on those things. And so much so that those limitations are going to matter less and less because the things that he does well, he's going to keep improving on. And, you know, that that's what's going to re- continue to raise the ceiling of this offense. So, I, yeah, I really, he's incredible. What's, what's crazy is why he's maturing. I see Kyle maturing with him. Just not forcing his offense right it's this is a i mean listen this is kyle's offense this is what he wants to call and he gets more from it but within the skill set that's it just within the skill set right like it's not forcing because now it's working and now it's more than he's ever had since he's you know been the head coach of the san francisco 49ers i just um you know, I mean, a lot of humble pie around my I don't think I was ever negative on Brock. It was just more like, let's pump the brakes. We don't know enough. And like you skepticism. see Cinderella stories in the NFL all skepticism. the time. And I think that's OK. We saw it with with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's yep. why we we pause a little bit more when we see someone, especially at the end of season, yeah. when we see someone have this like crazy good stretch, a insanity run, if you will. And we don't know if that's going to, you know, keep up, right? Of course, it always looks great when it's happening. But yeah, so far, like I think it's hard with each and every week to think that this is just a fluke. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we've, I think we've get, seen enough now. You're getting further and further away from that. So yeah. Yeah. Brock, excellent. Excellent nomination, of course, Steph. Um, if it is my turn, uh, yeah. this one's for Melissa. Melissa, this is the time to go <laughs> ahead and nominate your man, our man, everyone's man, Mr. Number 85, oh. George and Claire Kittle. Please come to the podium <laughs> here for your 49K player of the Oh, you're already week. crowning him. You're no, no, I can't. I can't. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he probably finds the podium, right? Like if it's one, two, three. That being said, look, I mean, there's three catches, 67 yards, modest game, but, you know, in terms of, like, production. But, hey, all three of those touch – or, excuse me, all three of those catches just happened to be touchdowns while the game was still a game, right? Like, none of it was yeah. necessarily mop-up duty. I mean, he had the mm-hmm. first two, and then I think he had the fourth, right? So, yeah, because then McCaffrey ran one in, and then he had the fourth to make it whatever it was, 28-10. Um, it's – what I love about – George is just the entertainer he is and he 
rightfully so the way that the season has started for him rather quiet compared to how it ended last year like he usually does on in primetime football yep. steps up um i loved i want to i want to give him this award just for like the second touchdown when he beat the corner uh to the pylon and then his celebration was the sprinter celebration yeah, it was like head like down like one. check out my wheels i still got it <laughs> um but the real he does so much dirty work week in, yeah. week out, right? For a guy who has a phenomenal skill set as a, a pass-catching tight end, like a Travis Kelsey, but he just doesn't get put in the same positions and get the same opportunities as that. So I actually predicted in my pregame show that I, I thought we'd see more of Quiet George, right? I thought it was going to be like, he's going to be the added, the sixth lineman to find number 11, wherever 11 was. What do I know, right? Now he comes out and he's the the prime target. Um, and then what seals it for me is, you know, bringing back Gary Plummer's. Yes. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. F Dallas shirt. I, I told you how how far I got. I'm an old head, Steph. Like, I mm -hmm. remember that game vividly and seeing that T-shirt and being young enough to be like, Mommy, what's that? And she'd be like, don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> it's on TV and I couldn't bleep it out fast enough. Um, but that being said, it, you know, George deserved this game on the spotlight spotlight. He is a pure entertainer and he did not disappoint this weekend. If you have a shirt like that under your Jersey, you better you're, score. Three you're prepared. Like, yeah, like, uh, I think he was, he was this definitely like Sharpie ready. in the sock. Like you better be ready. You better <laughs> yeah, do exactly. You know? Right. Like you, you gotta show out. Um, and yeah, I mean, he did just that. I think like, Alternatively, from what you said, I was actually expecting Kittle to have a big game. I'm not sure I could have quite predicted three touchdowns, but you know, I did expect a little bit more involvement just because I did like the matchup for Kittle in this game. Uh, but also, it feels like when he has those quiet games, like he had weeks one through four, pretty much you kind of just get the sense because we've been watching Kittle long enough now that when he's kind of dormant like that, he's just ready. He's just ready to pop at any moment and he's capable of doing it. Right. Even though sometimes he's not always involved, um, you know, as much as he was on Sunday, he's still capable of doing these things. Sometimes I even forget, right. You know, I think we all kind of forget. You just assume that because a guy isn't, you know, getting stats and he isn't making all these catches and, and touchdowns every single week that he's not doing the dirty work. Like you said, he, he is doing the dirty work, but kind of like what we said with Trent, like that's hard to quantify, um, you know, on, on any given week. So I'm glad that Kittle was able to step up in this one, get those three touchdowns. Yeah. Three catches, three touchdowns. How efficient of a day is that right for him? And yeah, we have to acknowledge the uh, F Dallas t-shirt. That was, that was some good stuff <laughs> right entertainment. there. And that's what this um, is. This is entertainment, it, right? Exactly. He did say like earlier, I think it was on Canby or something. He was like, I'm mildly a troll. <laughs> so. Of course he is. I, when you it, want it a happy birthday wish, well. what's the what you feel lonely on the birthday? What's the first thing you do as a 49ers fan? You tag George Kittle and say, <laughs> I wish you'd give me a shout out on my birthday, and, and he's right there without fail. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a good dude. Um, but yeah, so that that's a good one. I'm gonna go with 
next one going to the defense side. And this one's another, you know, obvious one, but I'm going to say Fred Warner. All right. Eight, eight tackles, one for loss, no missed tackles, a forced fumble that happened pretty early in the game that, you know, that happened, I, I believe, after the 49ers had scored uh, their first touchdown at that. Yeah, it, it had to have been. Um, and that just kind of helped the waterfall of what the 49ers were able to do from that point on. It was just domination after dominate, you know? And so that forced fumble was big. Uh, he also had a sack on Dak and on that same play, like he eliminated CD lamb uh, on that one, which Dak was looking for. That's why he was able to come up for the sack as Isaiah Oliver, um, you know, went up the field with lamb and then he also had that interception, right? Which it, it shout out to Lenore for breaking that pass up. And, you know, that's what had it go up in the air. And Fred Warner was in position as he often is. So there, here's another guy who there's like almost not enough things and like too much things at the same time to say about him. Uh, I guess I, I kind of just said the same thing, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you know what I meant? Like there's yeah, no exactly you're speechless, you but you also want to say like a hundred things about Fred Warner at the same no. time. Uh, because he's one of those guys who are just that good. Um, we, again, someone who you can probably nominate each and every week. But what I love most about Fred Warner is that he, he arrives in these certain moments. Like there are certain games where he understands the gravity of of the game of the moment and he will step up for them i think about all those matchups all the matchups he's had with the cowboys i think also about the packers uh matchups that he had he went hard in all of those games against uh aaron Rodgers. he he had him in hell in those playoff games and so when fred warner's playing like that you already know you already know what it's gonna be that day like (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna do this exactly what he did sunday night so yeah man i gotta give it up for fred he's the best he is as consistent as sun up and sundown is he he make he's the kind of player that makes you do exactly what you just did steph right like it all of a sudden just becomes more than just this game's performance i can't wait to tell you how awesome fred warner is (laughs) and recite Highlight after highlight because he is on the defensive side of the ball. He's a human highlight reel. He will light you up. He will explode through gaps. He will force fumbles. He'll recover fumbles. He'll intercept passes. He'll carry wide receivers, not tight ends, wide receivers up the seam of a football field. And we're not just talking about like me lining up at wide receiver, right? Like, I mean, (laughs) arguably some of the league's best that he has done it time and time and time again against. You rattled all the stats off. Let me tell you, everything that I know need to know or that anybody should know about Fred Warner happened on Sunday night during this game. I will forward you screenshots of this if you do not believe me. Ten separate text messages coming over saying the exact same thing. Fred Warner is a bad mother effer. That's the wording <laughs> on this. None of these are 49er fans, right? I, I'm in New Jersey guy i do not have many 49er fans floating around me at all and the ones that are is just because i suck them into my world and they don't know any better one of those steph is a coach 
in the National Football League right now. I will not name, I will not name teams. Okay. And the God is a coach in the NFL and text me that said Fred Warner is a bad mother effort. (laughs) That's everything that I need to know. You know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, he's probably up there with, you know, maybe best defensive player period in, in the league. He, he certainly deserves to be in that conversation. And again, like I'm, I'm glad that he was able to do this on Sunday night football. You know, the world's watching. Cause I, I want people to see what Fred Warner does just as much as we have been able to enjoy what he's done for so long. And he, he absolutely deserves that recognition. So I'm all for it. Stud. We've been spoiled yeah. at linebacker too over the last decade plus. It's crazy. Yes, we have. Absolutely. All right. Who's All right. who's your next? I'm gonna go Diamador Lenore. Wow. As one. <laughs> it's just the consistency from Demo. The, the back half of last year into the start of this year. You didn't know how it was gonna pick up. You know, I feel like teams have been certainly shying away from Charvarius, right? Like as at every opportunity that they can take. And they're now starting to shy away from Demo as well. I mean, he had five targets, gave up two receptions for 14 yards with a long of eight, right? He had a, he had a pass breakup. I mean, you're talking about a cover, a PFF cover grade of 85.9. That's pretty darn good you know yeah, as a, a quote unquote, cb2 by yeah the way. as a number two cornerback <laughs> on your your roster um we talked about this with brock the play gets better and better and yeah. better and the more that i see number two out there the play gets better and better and better and better he's a number one corner on other teams right now and i shouldn't say that i think he benefits okay. from scheme and good players around him like any player would when you play with like this level of talent, but if anything that you're more of the bullseye, right? Like lesser of two evils. I'm going to him and it's been shut down. It's he's been shutting down wide receivers through, I would say the last 10 football games that he has played in, he's been shutting them down. And this is, you know, it just came to a head again on national television. I'm just getting so excited. I'm knocking my freaking microphone over. It just, I love DB play. I love Island play. Um, yeah. And he's just, he's just having himself, himself a quiet, but like to the outside fan, you don't know who the Amador Lenore is. Right. But I promise you, if you're a faithful, you know exactly who that is. And you're well aware as to how well he's playing this year. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I think both of these corners deserve, uh, some recognition and I know it when the season started everyone was like worried about like just the defense as a whole the secondary you know I remember the Rams game they were given some cushion there but I we haven't seen that since really and you know Stafford is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league so take that for what it is but these corners have still been playing some really good football and Diamador Lenore being like the number two guy seems to be playing just as good as the number one, you know, and you, you can't always say that not every team can say that for their CB two. So for the people who have been doing this, like Patrick Sertain thing, come to the 49ers, not that I would not love Patrick Sertain, but I there's no reason for the 49ers to feel the need to do that when you have Tarverius Ward 
and Diamandur Lenore playing the way that they are right now. There's just no reason for it. So thank you, but no thank you. If it happens, sure. Like, obviously, I'd love that, but I it's not going to happen. So, you know, why do we keep doing this? And also, they're both playing some really good ball right now. So I'll let that be. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say yeah. no to that, right? Like, right, you exactly. can find like, them, but like, idiotic, but you need to go out of your way right now is what yeah, I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> just, just stop, like, you know, adding uh, or mentioning John Lynch, get Pat now every time, like, the Broncos lose or something. That just feels very unnecessary. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah I, I'm a fan of what Lenore is doing. What you got? Um, what you got? What you got? All right, I, I'm going to mention another linebacker. Do it. Because I think what he did on Sunday, because of what Fred Warner did, it was kind of overshadowed a little bit. And I don't want to let that happen because he was great within his own right, and he continues to play at a high level, and he's a great complement to what Fred Warner does out on the field. There are two peas in a pot out there. Drake Greenlaw. Five tackles, two for loss. He also had a sack on Dak Prescott. He only allowed two catches in his coverage for two yards. Two yards, people. He also had a pass breakup. He was, both him and Fred were all over the field, sideline to sideline. The Cowboys couldn't get anything going on the outside because these two guys were just so freaking fast and they were getting to everything uh so i gotta give credit to greenlaw as well because i think his performance was up there uh with fred's as well what's the most important thing he didn't do in this game steph (laughs) Uh, oh no penalties but that's now two games in a row with no penalties right yeah i mean listen we were all holding our breath when he power slammed the dude dude on the sideline yeah, was i was like early oh, in the game we too we were all like looking around like, i was like at least uh, this one's real early in the game right this one doesn't <laughs> feel like it'll yeah. hurt in a big moment and whoever the com um i think it was not who's the gene was a sterator the, the the sunday night like official consultant it was like well the contact started inbounds i was like all right that works for me <laughs> that's what you want to say <laughs> but he totally pile driving out of bounds listen dre's you know, you've seen it everywhere. If Warner's number one off the ball backer in the NFL, how is Dre Greenlaw like not number two right now? Yeah. You know, he's just a sap fly sideline to sideline, comes with really, really bad intentions when he's trying to make contact with you. You know what? It, he fits this rivalry so well because he plays that physical brand of ball that goes back to the late 80s, early 90s, where by all intents and purposes, the name of the game was kill the man with the ball. Like, you know what I mean? There was no helmet to helmet contact and, uh, you know, things of that, you know, that nature in this game. He's just, uh, he's a throwback. Love, love Dre Greenlaw. Um, can I throw one more? Yeah. I mean, we got to, we got to talk about Nick, right? Yeah. Got to talk a little bit about this guy right here, don't we? <laughs> um, again, he, it's not, it's not glorious to the outside fan in terms of like he didn't have a three sack game or a Khalil Mack six sack game, but he had seven pressures, right? He walked out of that game with a sack. He hit the quarterback three times, hurried the quarterback, caused all sorts of havoc up and down that line. And they were staying away from him in terms of like running, like they weren't running the ball at Nick Bosa. Like he literally changes the complexion 
of a football game. You stay away from 97 when you mm-hmm. see him out there. And that alone, based on the way the rest of his defense is playing, you can have your 120 million guaranteed, sir. Thank you. Keep doing <laughs> what you're doing. Um, but in another another PFF grade of 91 plus. I mean, he's got to be at this point in the top three highest rated defensive players in the league, according to PFF, which most people kind of quote as Bible, right? In some capacity um, from a a ranking of a a player, he's just another guy, just consistent, consistent, consistent. And guess what? Everybody relax. He will get home. I promise you, he will get home and the sacks, it'll start to avalanche snowball effect. Totally. Maybe as soon as uh, Randy Gregory gets out there, right? And if he Ooh. is, if he becomes as effective as the 49ers hope and, and think that he might when they traded for him, you know, just a few days ago, uh, he he could be that guy that opens things up for Nick Bosa. Clearly, you know, to this point, maybe they weren't really happy with Clinton Farrell and Drake Jackson, maybe weren't moving the needle as much, but. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Again, Nick Bosa is also one of those guys who you can name every single week. Totally. We are so spoiled. And, you know, we have everyone now and again, we do have to nominate him because he does have some, you know, stellar performances more so than others. So, yeah, that's a that's a good nomination. I do have one more, but it it will be the last one for me. Right. Do you have any more after that? Depending on who you say right now, I might just okay. say I might just have an honorable mention. That's all. Okay. Yeah, I was I was on the fence of making this one an honorable mention. Your show stuff, you do but whatever I, I wanted you to want. Just go ahead. <laughs> I wanted to just go ahead and say it because I thought that Jordan Mason had a really good game. There we go. All right, we're we're on the same page there, and. He actually had a better day on the ground against the Cowboys than Christian McCaffrey did. And look, there were a couple reasons for that. We already mentioned that the Cowboys were selling out to stop um, Christian McCaffrey, doing all they could to limit him. They were successful for the most part in that. And the other thing was that most of Mason's carries did come towards the end of the game, like in the second half, when by that point, you know, you're beating a dead horse in, in the Cowboys. And so McCaffrey had 19 carries, 51 yards, 2.7 yards per carry average. Eight-yard touchdown. Congratulations to Christian McCaffrey, by the way, because that's 14 straight games with a touchdown. We love to see that. Jordan Mason had 10 carries, 69 yards, good for 6.9 yards per carry average. He had a 26-yard touchdown. And this isn't to say that Mason is better than McCaffrey because that would literally never be the case, but (laughs) – what I want to say with this one and me adding it in here, he needs more carries. Yeah. He needs more carries, man. He can do it all. He he can okay, not not do it all, but he he can do it. He can handle it. All right. I'm I'm not I, I think he's past the point of being this like young running back that we have to like, you know, protect and make sure that he's like good enough before we we hand him all these carries. No, I think he's already past that point. He did struggle with fumbles through camp. I think those days are behind him as well. He is this team's closer. And with a team as good as the 49ers, they're going to need a closer quite a bit, right? And he's a tough physical runner. He's capable of putting the nail in the coffin, as we saw, you know, on Sunday night. Um, in the second half of game. So I, I would like to see more of Jordan Mason if we could. 
Hey, he got the highest PFF grade on the 49ers offense this week. Um, so happy for Jordan finding the end zone, right? Getting that national television, right? Putting his name out there for sure. 26 million viewers, right? Like that's nothing to sneeze at. That's drastically different than a Sunday four o'clock game on the East coast, at least. Um, what I found so funny about that is like McCaffrey had a grind, right? Like that, that is clearly who Dallas intentionally was trying to take out of this, this football game. And they made it a grind for him. And I love what Kyle was saying, how like, Christian didn't want to come out of the game. He's like, coach, I feel like we're going to break one. I feel like we're going to break one. It's going to come. It's going to come. And they did break one. It just happened mm-hmm. to be JP bringing it to the house versus Christian, which is fine. Christian's going to get plenty all year long, like not worried about it. But it's just, isn't it crazy how football players feel that? Like they just know, like the break is coming. The break is coming. Yeah. Like you just know the momentum and understand the flow of a football game. Happy for, for Jordan. That wasn't actually going to be my honorable mention. My honorable mention, I'm just glad you brought up his name because I because the most important thing you said there is more touches. Why yeah. not? The guy is a physical specimen, right? Like he hurts people when he runs into them. Take the, take away the will of the team, put the nail in the coffin, close the game, whatever term you want to use. That's what he's going to be viable for. My honorable mention is Isaiah Oliver. I know he gave up the touchdown to Turpin, okay. but I'm just – remember when – uh, what was it, week two, when everybody was loving what I, Isaiah Oliver did after um, that, that week's game. I, you know, I, I thought he played well. I thought it was just like, hey, right spot, right time, certain things, you know, a little opportunistic. This game, there wasn't a lot of flash, wasn't a lot of glam. He gave up a touchdown. But C.D. Lamb, their best wide receiver, traditionally lines up in the slot. And who's taking mm-hmm. that slot? And last I checked, we talked about Micah Parsons having zero impact on this game. Pretty confident C.D. Lamb didn't put a dent in this game either. So Isaiah Oliver, I'm recovering from week two and not being fully on your bandwagon. Say, I see you guy. And my final statement before we vote is I, I missed my ultimate sales line for Diamador Lenore and why he should win this week. He had the most ultimate social media tweet talking about when the ball hit his leg and didn't go out. And he said, I learned that from Messi. Just remember that. <laughs> Just remember that. Quoting one of the world's greatest. That's hilarious. <laughs> I can't believe I, I was like saving that's, that and I can't believe I forgot. That's goaded. <laughs> I love that. Look, when the 49ers win big and you score 42 points on one of the best defenses in the league, there are going to be a lot of guys who contribute to that. Um, so we named a bunch of guys, but let's not forget there are other guys who do deserve some recognition. I know Melissa has mentioned Kevin Givens in there too. So we'll shout him out here. New Jersey. Uh, another honorable mention. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we could be here till midnight if if we discussed all of the, the good performances the from Sunday. Yeah, we'd literally be talking about the whole team. So we're just going to leave it at this list. list. And it's a long, yeah, it's already a long <laughs> list. So get your votes in, guys. Uh, put your votes in the comments and we will tally them up. Right over here. In the meantime, usually we do uh, players that we want to put on notice. I don't know about you, Weston, but I don't have any players to put on notice for week five. Like, and going into week six, I think I feel pretty good about everyone. I know we didn't mention Colton McKivitz, but in the limited played time well. that he also saw Parsons, I mean, yeah, he played well too. So 
I, I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about the right side of the line. I'm, I'm going to hold any judgment on Feliciano. Let's see how he does, you know, this upcoming week against, you know, Miles Garrett and that side of the, uh, of the line. But I have no complaints right now about what the 49ers have been doing. Not one on any player. I, I, I would be hypocritical after what I said earlier about this is as close to perfection as you can get in a, in an NFL game. What we saw Sunday night, if I was being comical to fill the air while we're, we're tallying some votes here, Steph, I would say, you know, Jake Moody, come on guy. You know, we started nominating you right out of the gate. And now you're just hanging in the wind, but that's obviously not his fault. We're just not attempting field goals. We're scoring touchdowns and yeah. uh, a place we want to be. So that's just pure comedy relief at this. And it's not even no grievances coming out of, it's not just this game. It's the, 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 the last two to three games in the manner in which they're playing and what the end result is like, like even looking back on it, like, yeah, every player is going to make a mistake. There's no such thing as perfection throughout an entire football game. I mean, right. it's, it's a scary place to be when you're just like, cool, bring on Cleveland. Let's go. All right. We, we're telling up the Do we get to vote? votes here. Yeah, we get to vote. This is our show. All right. It's your <laughs> show. You just let me hang out for a little All while, right. which I'm... I am appreciative of. I'm going to vote for Brock Purdy uh, on this one. Me too. Me too. All right. It All was, right. I don't think people actually really appreciate how special that was. Right. And I'm so glad I could mm -hmm. talk to you about it. Cause when I talked to my wife about it, she's like, no, 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 you're not allowed to say this. You weren't on the bandwagon early enough. <laughs> I mean, it was just, and she's right. She's right. I'll, I'll take my L. Um, it was just, a really special performance that wasn't glamorous. Yeah. It was just efficient and Very. showed so much growth. Brock Purdy. That's my vote. I like it. I like it a lot. Quick shout out. I see here, uh, Melissa pointed out that, you know, Rob D who's here in the comments, shout out Rob, man. Uh, it's almost your birthday. And then Debster who's been here for the entire show as well. Uh, commenting, uh, had a birthday happy a couple birthday. days ago. So happy birthday to both of you guys. Appreciate all the support. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, we currently have a tie, a two-way tie between Ooh. Brock Purdy and George Kittle. So make sure that you guys get your votes in. In People fact, love I think them Rob some George just... Kittle. Are you guys all voting right. for George or are you voting for Claire? Because they're both equally entertaining. This is crazy. We let me just make sure I'm counting this right. Okay, I didn't get Chris's. Okay, so now Brock Purdy is in the lead. Kittle and Warner are tied uh, at three votes apiece. So let's do one last segment here. We're just going to preview really quickly the Browns game. Yeah. And then we'll call the voting final. Deshaun Watson <laughs> seems like he might not play uh, yeah. on Sunday. That certainly would, you know, the 49ers would prefer that, I think. But the thing is, I don't think they really know if Watson doesn't play, who's going to play quarterback. I saw a report today that's going to be P.J. Walker. Yeah. It's not going to be um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. 
So I don't know if the if the Browns are just playing this game of let's milk this for whatever it's worth and and try to get them to prepare for all three quarterbacks because that yeah. right now that's what the 49ers are going to have to do. Um, and then at the eleventh hour, maybe they'll they'll make a switcheroo or something like that. I don't think it matters, Steph. And I'm not. This is not arrogance. This is not trying to be over cocky. The the offense isn't what scares me about Cleveland in any capacity. I mean, Deshaun Watson hasn't even really been playing that great of football, if I'm being candid. Certainly not what they're paying him to do. The loss of Nick Chubb is significant, right? Like, so yeah. it's, it's you know, and your receivers are as good as your quarterback. That's what it boils down to. So if, if Deshaun's not there, okay, it, it, the slate, it feels a little bit easier. But this is one of those games we're talking about where styles make fights. This defense that Cleveland puts out there absolutely has the has the ability to muddy the waters right and just make this game a little bit more complicated and close than it needs to be in fact i i expect this to be um maybe the closest game that they've played so far if you really think about uh the the final score and it's just because guys the cleveland browns defense is very capable yeah, very I, capable, and they play a different brand of defense than what we just saw with the Cowboys. They're going to punch you in the mouth. They're not going to talk about punching you in the mouth. The Cleveland Browns defense is going to punch you in the mouth, and they're good. they got players at every level too. Miles Garrett, their corners are legit. They get safety play. They got linebackers who fly to the football. Defense is going to create a problem. I'm just, it's going to be slower moving than what we've seen so far. Is kind of my 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 guess. Yeah, and the 49ers are going to be away as well as this yep. game is in Cleveland. So just another element to this being a potentially tough game for the 49ers. The Browns are 2-2, two and two, and one of the reasons for that is, you know, their offense hasn't really kept up with the defense and the level they're playing at right now. So I think right now for the 49ers, focus all the attention on trying to figure out how to beat the Browns' defense any way that they can. and you know, trusting that your defense, the 49ers defense is going to be able to stop whatever quarterback's going to be out there. Because like you said, Chubb not being out there, their offense isn't very scary. The 49ers defense should be able to handle them. Yeah. But Weston. Niners win. Niners should win this game, right? I think so too. Yeah. It's going to look different. It's just going to look different. That's all. Absolutely. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm fine with them not scoring 30. Yeah. Show me another way you can win, right? Like it does, you know, things aren't always going to be perfect. You're not going to always put up 30 a game. Show me you can win in a, in a dog, you know, in a, in a bar fight, you know, in just a physical game, like their defense is going to bring it to us. We're used to being the bullies. Their defense is going to push some people around. I think so too. They're not, their defense, they're, they're not made up of frauds. Like like the Cowboys are. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't resist. (laughs) One last one. They just had to throw it in there. All right. We have our 49K player of the week. You guys have selected Brock Purdy as this week, week five's 49K player of the week. Uh, And we have a two-way tie for the 25K player of the week because we had votes for Kittle and Fred Warner. We'll leave it at that. We'll stay here all all night if we want (laughs) to. (laughs) <laughs> break that tie so <laughs> let's just leave it at Brock Purdy being 49k player of the week with an incredible four touchdown performance against the best defense in the league I was told so is is this Brock's first 49k trophy let's see I don't 
Mm, I don't think so. I think he won in week three. And I think week three was the Giants game. Yeah. Okay. It, you're like, yeah, that, that sounds about that right. Makes <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Alberto Soto is asking, so Brandon Ayuk or over Debo for fantasy? Um, yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say yes in this matchup. Only because, you know, I think BA is good enough that he can – he can beat anyone on his own. He seems to be a favorite target of Purdy's right now. And he he's gonna get his. Like he's gonna get open, you know, more gonna, than I could see Debo getting open. So he's gonna get seven to ten targets every game the rest of the season. It's gonna be about production and his separation at the top of rounds is like it's silly. Insane. It's really, like said, really silly. Like you said earlier, Purdy's throwing it in space or in, in zones, you know, or pockets, windows where he's seen guys get open and, and, you know, he's getting it in there. So Brandon Ayuk, I think is a prime candidate for getting his, even in a very tough matchup, like it's going to be against the Browns. So I'd start him, but this isn't a fantasy football advice podcast. So if anything (laughs) goes wrong, you don't, you don't come, Come back to us blaming us, right, Alberto? All right. <laughs> Weston, uh, it's been fun, man. Yeah. You know, like we said, it, it, these episodes are going to be a lot of fun when we're winning games, so let's enjoy it, all right? Um, have anything else to say? No. Nah, same week in, week out, win or lose. It's, it's always go Niners. Go Niners. All right, y'all. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Make sure you subscribe to Weston's channel if you have not yet. He puts out some great content as well, and it doesn't just isn't isn't just 49ers talking all NFL, all that good stuff. Uh, appreciate all you guys who are you know keeping the comments lit. Have a good Tuesday, everyone. But for now, peace.